Hi, I'm Derek McFadden, proud to be an author, a poet, and a lover of most things pop culture. I am also handicapped, born with a mild form of cerebral palsy. But please note, this podcast is not called Handicapped Writer. It is instead titled Writing While Handicapped, because that's what I do. Join me as we talk with folks in the book world. And this podcast looks at the world of literature from a perspective you haven't seen before. Welcome into a brand new episode of Writing Well Handicapped. I'm Derek McFadden. I am the author of What Death Taught Terrence and the new book, The Santa Claus Agreement. I am here with an amazing author. You guys, you, you guys will not believe this. I am here with Sean M. Warner. He is the author of Lee Howard and the Ghosts of Simmons Pierce Manor. That's the book that's going nuts on TikTok right now. I mean, I can't say it any other way. How are you, Sean? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. I bet I bet you are. Uh, so why don't you explain the story of how all this came to be for you? Uh, sure. I uh, started out just doing normal debut writer stuff. I was at a Kroger store in Fort Worth selling my book, trying to you know let let the world know it actually existed. All of us authors have to do that. That's that's hard to do. As part of it is the hardest thing. Oh man, yeah, to get noticed and and to let him let the world know we have a product out there. And then Red came by. Uh, he saw me sitting there alone, and he and just this, and, the, and 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 so this is your neighbor, Red, right? He's somebody that's that that lives near you. No, not at all. No, he's, he's uh just some random guy who was at that Kroger store to buy a quart of ice cream for a birthday party. Wow, because okay, the the way it was explained to me, or at least that how I heard it in the story, is they always describe him as a neighbor. And so, no, not at all. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's even okay. Wow. All right. Continue. Sorry. Sure. So he saw me sitting there. I'd been there for hours at this point. It was this was late in the afternoon. I had been there since very early in the morning. There was a lull at the grocery store. So I was sitting alone. And he just came by and took an interest in my book, just being kind, you know, trying to brighten up my day a little bit, mm -hmm. asked if he could take a TikTok video for his channel. And I thought, sure, I'm not doing anything if I can. Why not? It. Why yeah. not? You know? <laughs> and out of that, him being so kind and dropping by and, and talking to me, he took the video, he posted it and it went viral overnight. And it was just an outrageous um, response afterwards you were everywhere you were on abc and uh and the today show and i mean right everywhere we today show is uh i believe an inside edition oh, yeah. uh, local news has come out and talked to us i've done a couple of podcasts other people have been reaching out it's just been an amazing turnaround yeah i, I yeah i mean as a as a writer like I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of my story. I um, I have cerebral palsy. That's why the show is called Writing While Handicapped because I write while handicapped. Mm -hmm. I I am an author. I I published my first book in in March of 2020 because I didn't in February of 2020 a, a week before our state shut down because I didn't mm -hmm. know I didn't know what was coming. If I had known, I might have held it. I might have held it back and said I'll wait a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. But sure. um. 
but uh, yeah, this is, uh, you are living the author's dream right now. And so when I, and I, and here's the thing, guys, the book is great. It's, it's one thing if, 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 you know, oh, he, he got lucky and the book is the book. The book is good, you guys. Okay. Um, did you always know you wanted to write mysteries? I, I've always wanted to write and I started writing when I was really, really small. But, and all my teachers in grade school commented all the way up through high school and said, Sean writes really, really well. But this was back in the late 70s, early 80s. Right. And it was always caveated with, but you can't make a living at that. And I was struggling in school already, and I was young enough to actually believe them. So I tabled it for the longest time. But I've always written. I've always loved to write. I always loved to read. So when I started homeschooling my kids, I got the chance to sit down and do a real in-depth study of the craft of writing, which is an essential part of being a writer. Absolutely. Um, I, I was able to turn it around and then start taking it seriously and see how bad my writing really was and work on getting it to be much better. We all have those practice novels, Sean. You're not the, <laughs> we, we, and you know, here's the thing. My generation, by the time I was writing, we had vanity presses, mm -hmm. which was unfortunate because for several reasons, vanity presses steal from authors, but also you can put it, it, it allowed authors like me to put out my practice novel and think, oh, this is a book that other people should read. No, <laughs> there are books we should keep in our drawers and never show anybody. <laughs> I I have a drawer full of started novels and short stories that I hope never see the light of day. How easy is it to write 50 pages and then write yourself into a corner and go, I have no idea how to get out of here? It's it's super easy. Yeah, it, it I can do that. You know, the, the, the thing that Stephen King said is authors are not paid to start novels. They're paid to finish them. Exactly. That's exactly true. And so many people start a novel, but that's where studying the craft really comes in. Yes. So you'll notice where the plot elements need to fall and what makes a strong ending. And how do you transition between that first act, which is pretty easy to write. Yeah. The second act, which is the longest part of the book, which is also the hardest part of the book to write and how those beats fall. It, it's, it's, Take study. You, if you're Stephen King or someone like that, yeah, you're gifted, you're blessed, you can sit down and just knock it out. The rest of us mere mortals, we have to learn it. Here's the thing about being gifted and blessed. You can be gifted and blessed and just not have the chance to do the work. And so it's being able, like, I think the homeschooling your kids and, and being able to have the time for you, that that's the, that's the thing, right? And for me, uh, everybody says, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, isn't it sad, you know, that he's palsied and stuff. And, you know, I would get that through through school a lot. I was the mm -hmm. palsy kid. And then I became the kid who writes who happens to have palsy because <laughs> people realized, oh, he takes his time. You know, when I'm off on the monkey bars or whatever, Derek's writing, Derek's learning how to write. So mm -hmm. it's just how we choose to spend our time, you know, and us writers, we choose to spend our time around words. Words are our sandbox, you know, I think. 
They are. And you have to, it, it's all part of that learning process. It's if you want to be an engineer, you have to study engineering. If you want to be a landscaper, you have to study plants and trees. It, there's no profession that you can just walk in and pick up. Even nope. if you're entry yep. level, you still have to learn how to run the catch register or how to stock and keep inventory. There's nothing you just walk in. It all takes effort. So let me ask you this. Let me just uh, ask you about Lee Howard, about Lee Howard herself. Who was Lee and how did you come up with her? It's a kind of an interesting story. I was actually working on a completely different novel. Mm-hmm. And this girl who lost her parents just popped into my imagination. It was like a jingle or a song that I could not get out of my head. And sometimes the only way to get a song out of your head is to just sing the darn song. Mm-hmm. But all I had to write the story and work on it. And the more I worked on it, the more it demanded to be worked on until I got the the completed thing. As far as who Lee is, she's just a person who came into my imagination as uh, started out as a girl who had lost her parents. And the mystery was who who did it. And then right, after right. that, there were there were, were the endless what if questions. Well, what if she moved into this manor, and what if this mansion was haunted? What if she made friends with the ghost? Mm-hmm. What if the ghost had multiple personalities? Boom! I have enough material for a book. Then I have to sit down and how do I piece that material together into a coherent story and not just snippets of imagination. I love the ghost. The ghost is a such a good character. Like he's and I really love every character. Like Myra is also she's almost a sister. I know she's a cousin, but she's almost a sister to Lee. And I I really and she immediately takes her under her wing, which I really appreciated. Um, she's a very sweet girl. Yeah, Myra. Uh, is very- as as somebody who friends were very important to me, I didn't have a lot of friends as a kid, but you know the one or two you have are the ones you you stick to and and that and I identified with that. Um mm-hmm. so did you when you were a kid did you read the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew cuz this feels a lot like that to me and I didn't know if it was intended to feel that way because um, it does. I actually did not read a lot of mysteries of any sort when I was a kid. Interesting. My uh, my reading for Escape was more Tarzan of the Apes. Okay. Conan the Barbarian. I have to give a huge shout out to Marvel and DC Comics. I doubt I would have learned to read or write if it wasn't for those two corporations. So Stan Lee is very, uh, was, was very in- influential to you. Yes, he was. <laughs> um, and, and all the other writers and and more the artists back then I, I was more interested in the art but the stories came across and they were very rich and very in-depth stories at that time and i know in the comic book world they wax and wane oh yeah went on but at that time uh in the again this was in the 70s and 80s frank miller had his daredevil stuff going that's kind of what I was reading. And then Robert E. Howard with his Conan the Barbarian stuff that I, I was just, I've read all of those. I've read all the Tarzan books. I still have the collection mm-hmm, at home. Mm-hmm. And then I also started reading mysteries more as I grew older because my dad and I would watch the uh, British mysteries, the Rumpel, the Baileys and the Poirots and the Miss Marples. 
that the BBC was putting out on um, this was on the PBS. Yeah. Masterpiece theater mystery. We, my dad and I used to watch those together a lot. So that's where I started really getting into mysteries more. Wow. Okay. I, all right. Cause when I, when I read this, I told it totally reminded me of the Hardy boys, like in the best way. And I think that starts kind of with the cover. So you are published. Did you, are they an, and and they're an independent publisher that's near you? Is that, is that Black Rose Writing is an independent publisher uh, based here in Texas. I have to say that they are absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They came up with that cover art. I gave them my vision, which was probably a bit sketchy and awkward. And then they came up with this cover from what I described. So they worked with me on that. Uh, when this whole thing exploded, they were right there. They, I mean, this caught us all on the back foot. Oh, I'm Nobody sure. Had you had no idea this was going to happen. None whatsoever, but bless Black Rose. They put in a ton of effort. They got on top of it. Uh, they didn't let it snowball out of control. They they were there the whole step. Good on away. them. Good on them. Yeah. So describe to me, I guess, the day that you realized things had changed. What What was that day? Uh, it wasn't, uh, we were sitting, it wasn't just one day, it was a progression. Right. We were, my wife and I were just sitting around watching TV in the evening, you know, relaxing. And this is how long after the, this is how long after the thing with Red? The video was filmed on Saturday. Okay. Red posted it on Sunday and Sunday night, my wife's phone started buzzing because she's hooked into sales of individual books that was completely dormant on my website. Okay. And all of a sudden, it start, her phone started buzzing for that. My phone was tied into people signing up for my newsletter and the website itself. And my phone started going off. And we just wow. we had to stop the TV. And it's like, what is going on? Yeah. And then daughter called from college and said dad's on tiktok and he's gone viral and you know of course me i'm you know i'm an old guy i'm just like oh that's great what's viral (laughs) and and did you know what tiktok was at that point i mean other than i knew i I knew what it was okay but i wasn't i didn't have an account i wasn't active on it most writers, I think, are a little shy from being social media people. Yeah. Um, and, and I think publishers and agents need to recognize that a bit more than either. They think you need to have this big social media. But that's kind of it, it is so against the grain of most of the writers I know. Yeah. But okay. Anyway, it just kind of took off from there. So on Monday... Uh, my wife and I set up more my wife than me, actually, we set up a TikTok account for me because the outpouring of kindness and generosity. I mean, if people are going to be that nice, they right. response. And so the entire reason I am on TikTok now is because these people deserve a response. If they're going to take this level of interest in me, they deserve interest being shine back on them so how did you decide on lee's backstory i mean obviously her parents had passed that's not a spoiler (laughs) at the beginning of the book but she also does a little bit of self-harm at the you know off page 
and uh, and uh, before we meet her. Did you have some knowledge of that? Did you know someone who had done something like that at some point or? My first career, well, not my first career, but after I got out of the military, I was went to college and I got a degree in psychology. I went on to get a master's degree in social work and I worked several years in the pediatric mental health field. And so over those 10 or 15 years, I've, I've seen a lot of different grief management and other types of things uh, and people who who did have those kind of um, suicidal ideations for various reasons. I mean, you can't ever just say, well, this right. is the one thing you can't pinpoint it like that. Everyone is unique and different. Everybody. Yeah. So I, I did have some professional experience in dealing okay. with. Yeah. And uh, since we are talking about that, I will say if you are having thoughts like that, please dial 988. Someone will talk to you. Please text 741741, the word home to 741741. Uh, I just thought that was important to note um, because it is a part of the book and and um, mm-hmm. it, it's important. It's a, I say it's for 13 and up yep. uh, because it she does start in a very dark place and she and she pulls out and nothing, like you said, it's all off page. It's, it's not all off page. Like that. But she does start in a dark place, so and it is a bit of a more mature concept. So I give it 13 and up, and um, I'm, I warn parents about that. It's like people come out to buy the book, and it's like, well, okay, who's it for? I always ask. And right. I'm a parent myself, so I'm overprotective. <laughs> so how long did this take you to write the, the actual book? From- this book took six to eight months to, to write. Um, and then there's always the endless editing process of you go through and you read it and you read it, you mm-hmm. know, so often that you think you're going to be physically ill if you read it again, but you read it again. <laughs> Did you have a second reader or or a critique group or anything like that? Absolutely had a critique group. I'm in two critique groups. Um, They're so important, a, aren't they? It's an essential part of writing. If you if yeah. you are going to be a writer, you need to be in a critique group. There's one hundred percent. It's like studying the craft. It's just another thing you have got to do, and yep. it's it's not negotiable and it's not debatable. You need to be in a strong critique group that's going to tell you where you're strong, but also point out where you're weak and what you need to work on. And and it's all for self-improvement, so you can't get offended by it. Yeah. The critique groups are not so that you can just be told you're great all the time, guys. No. It, if, if you have a critique group that's just always telling you how great you are, find another critique group. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. All right. Uh, what? So what is next for you? Is there another uh, another book coming? There, um, there is another book. I, I can't work on just one okay. project at a time. I, I read and it's not that long. And I get, I get writer's block like everybody else. And one of the ways I deal with it is I'll shift stories to something that might be more interesting to me in the moment. And I'll go back to the, and then you come back whenever you're ready. Right. right. I've done yeah. that. I, I can't. Some people can force their way through and write their stuff. I have I'm more generic. I have to feel what I'm writing. So I have multiple projects going on. Uh, there is a sequel to Lee that I am working on. I have another set of books that I'm working on. 
that hopefully the first one will be coming out. It's farther along than the second book of Lee, the first okay. book. It's the one I was working on when Lee interrupted. <laughs> oh, I got it. Okay, so how, how far into that one were you when Lee told you to stop and write the other one? About three quarters of the way through. Okay, okay. Um, I was about ready to wrap it up and then start the endless editing and revision. <laughs> right. Wow. Lee intruded so I stopped that and I went to work on it it's good because you do need to walk away from your work so when you yes. do come back it, you're seeing it with fresh eyes I think that's true so yeah I have the, you know like I said the sequel to Lee I have this new book that I hope to be out soon I'm actually working on a movie script that features a DC character once wow. the Writers Guild comes off strike. Oh, yes. I want to uh, start finding somebody to submit that to. There's a I'm putting together a group of short stories that I want to put into a compilation of short stories. I I just you're have doing a, all kinds of stuff, man. Wow. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, like I said I I can't focus on just one no, thing. I I get it as a writer. I totally get it. Like. <laughs> You, you uh, and you know, but all these things are your babies, though. That's the thing, too, is you get so attached to them. Um, yeah. and, and and that's something I think another thing you, you know, when you're you're talking about writing, that's something writers need to accept is that first draft is your baby, the second draft forward is your reader's copy, it's yep. for them, not for you anymore. So you have to. That's what they mean by cutting your darlings, all of the things that personally speak to you that may not push the plot forward or may not help the reader in the larger consumer perspective. My first novel, the first draft was therapy for me. I mm -hmm. mean, it, it was largely autobiographical and it was therapy for me. And I realized, you know, going into the second, third draft, like if I want to make this be a book for other people then I have to make it more universal than it yep. currently reads. And yep. that that's one of the things I can say about, about your book, Sean, is it's very universal. It's one of those books that anyone can pick up. You, you literally, you, you, you just need to know how to read. <laughs> you can pick it up and you can say, everybody brings their own experience to every read. So mm -hmm. that's why I think a lot of it uh, hits with people, though, is we love the idea of haunted houses. We love the idea of ghosts and not just ghosts, but like ghosts that we can be friends with. Mm -hmm. And, go, you know, I, I think I think it just and, and it's funny because you think about it afterwards and you go, well, of course that hit. But <laughs> there are so many good books out there. That, there are, you know, and, and uh, as we both know. You just try to muddle through. Mm -hmm. So I yeah, perseverance is another huge thing. You have to keep, you have got to keep yeah. at it. You, you do your first book, you, you get it as clean and as polished and as ready as you possibly can. And you put it out there, you release it into the wild, you know, pat yourself on the back, have a nice dinner, but then you get started on the next one. Yeah. Because, I always say you know, writing isn't something I do. It's who I am. So I'm always writing. 100%. And I get it. You have to persevere. And if it's not the first book, maybe by the time you get three books on the shelf, you know, you'll start picking up some traction. I'm, I'm well aware and very grateful and humbled that 
my experience is not the usual debut author's experience. <laughs> I accept that in all humility. Well, and that's one of the things that, that drew me to you. I said, I have to interview this person because I would see you on interviews and you were just so humble. And and you and I'll say that you you are so humble. And it's so weird when somebody tells you you're humble, right? Because you're like, well, how am I supposed to respond to that? But um, yeah, it's a little, yeah, I'm just <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm sure I'm turning beet red on your camera at the moment, but it's all right, it's an audio podcast, they can't see it. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but uh no, the thing the thing about it is like, you know, we all have those dreams, you know, it's like my book's gonna come out and then they're going to, I'm going to be on the couch on NBC and they're going to tell me all these things about how good my book is. And, and then you watch somebody do it. And, and sometimes you're like, what? But this time I was like, yes, I, I root for this guy. I really, <laughs> I, I, and the, you know what? And I picked up your book and I said, cause I knew I was going to, I was going to interview you. I, I knew before I reached out, I was like, I really want to interview him. So I should mm -hmm. read the book before I even reach out. So it, you know, to be fair and i and i read it and i went not only not only is he humble but it's such a good book well did, thank you did red red red's such a funny guy he was i think we were sitting on the couch at the on the today show and he says i'm just glad the book was good can you imagine if i put this out there and the book was terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that that that, that would be that'd be weird and he's, he's probably he's pretty happy it was a good book Red's also just such a wonderful guy, so humble and so kind, and you know to so come now up. You know him pretty well, right? Like I that. mean, that, I, I, yeah. Are you going to have him over th for Thanksgiving? <laughs> we're, we we're talking. He's he's doing some things on his end. I'm doing things on my end. I'm still waiting for things to settle down, but we've already talked about having his family over and keeping it definitely keeping in touch. Oh um, man. Because it's such a such a great thing, and and the beauty of the whole thing, and this is really an amazing to me means an awful lot. For the rest of my writing career, I get to say that it all started with an act of kindness. Yep. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. Yeah, uh, that, what a beautiful uh, way to start something. And and you get to say also that you're an Amazon number one best selling author. That's true. From we were, now on, till yeah, the end of time. We we were number one on Amazon total sales for over a week. That is absolutely nuts. Yeah. That that I I I, I, I still don't I sometimes ask myself if I fully recognize the impact of that. Well, the impact I do, but just the yeah, you know, it, it's like when you start talking about people being billionaires or multimillionaires. Those right. Numbers, so big or it's so huge that it's just hard to really understand you can't get your head around it i mean it's yeah yeah it, and it's so like I, said, I i just try every day to be as grateful as i can for what's happened and you know keep and keep other people you know in mind and try to you know pay it back and pay it forward as best i can yeah. And, and that's as, as authors, I mean, I think all we can ask is, is that we get seen is that our, our art gets, gets noticed mm -hmm. by somebody, but it's kind of, I go back to what you said about how once the book is out, it's not for you, it's for other people. Yes. In the same way, once the book is out, 
the reviews aren't for you. They're for other readers to decide if they want to read the book or not. Mm -hmm. So if somebody doesn't like your book, it, they're not saying they don't like you as a person. And that as an author, it was one of those things that's hard for me. Right. Because it feels my book was so personal that it felt like a personal affront when somebody would say, oh, this wasn't for me. And then, yeah. but it, but it, you realize, no, they're just telling, they're giving their opinion, which they have a right yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, they, everybody has their own experiences and their own tastes. And, and I think when you have negative reviews or, or people didn't like the book, that's 100% okay. Yeah. Um, it's expected, as a matter of fact. I I have, I, I want to say over 4,000 reviews on Amazon right now. And out of all of that, if at least a percentage of them weren't negative, I would be very suspicious that something was yeah, not right. Yeah, there's, there's a problem at that point. And I absolutely, I've read a few of the positive ones and I've read a few of the negative ones. And I respect each and every individual's perspective and will defend to the end their right to hold their opinions whether I agree with them or not, it's a different story. Right. But I will absolutely support and defend their right to to write and believe and critique any way they want to, because they have just as much right to that as anybody else. I, I absolutely love that. So, Sean, if, if people want to get in touch with you and want to find you on the web, how would they do that? They could go to my website, seanwarner.com. There, they'll find the link to my exploding TikTok channel. Yeah, and I'm a they, follower. I'm following you on TikTok. Yep. Uh, Red is linked into my TikTok, so you can find him through my TikTok channel. And those are really the best ways to keep track of what I'm doing and where I'm going and where I'm going to be. Uh, we did a book signing last weekend. We're doing another one this coming weekend in Roanoke, Texas, there'll be details wow. coming out soon on that on TikTok. So I'm just trying to keep busy. And I love talking with people. Obviously, I, I love talking with people and I love meeting people at these book signings. So I'm absolutely going to do as many as I can. I will tell you, I had um, independent book signing set up and uh, twice. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had bought the books from the publisher, you know, and then I was going to sell them at the store. Yeah, and a, and a day before the uh, the signing is when COVID hit, Ugh. and everything shut down. Then yeah. my my state said we're going to reopen, so I reordered books, and then a day before the next signing, it closed again. Yeah. So yeah, life happens. You can't plan yeah. for you can't plan for the things that are going to come up. So you have to prepare in advance with whatever you want to get done and, and be prepared for what comes. That's probably the old soldier in me talking that. But So what you're saying is you didn't plan for all this? It was not planned. No, it wasn't. Was <laughs> Could have never have planned any of this. Um, you know, it's just the, the kindness of Red and the grace of God made it all happen. <laughs> well, I will definitely tell you, thank you for your service, because as somebody who has a cerebral palsy, who cannot serve. One of my, one of my friends is an author, is a, um, a former, he, he was a colonel in, in the army. His name mm -hmm. is, is Bradley Harper. And he said, soldiers serve to protect people who cannot. Mm -hmm. that, that's and, true. 
And uh, as as one of the people who cannot, I, I deeply respect the people who who can and do. So yeah, that really, means a lot. I appreciate that too. It's every time somebody says thank you for your service. Even you know, I've seen police officers' faces light up. Yeah. It's yeah. a, and that that goes back to what Red did. Just these simple acts of kindness. Just it's a, you know, it's a kindness, yeah. You know, and it brightens up everybody's day. So just notice people and be kind to them, and it's an amazing effect. Sean, thank you so much for 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 <laughs> taking time with me for this. I know you must be so busy, and oh no, it's an honor to be here. I I really I hope you'll come back when the next one comes out. Will you? I will. Yeah, uh, when the next right. I'll just uh, I'll just reach out again and and we'll make it happen. All right, I will definitely do that. We we will have you back. And for now everybody, I just want to say thanks everybody for for being here, for listening in. His book is Lee Howard and the Ghosts of Simmons Pierce Manor by Sean M. Warner. You guys need to read it. It is awesome. Uh, and and let me just tell you, Writing While Handicapped is a podcast solely owned by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>